Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Kevin Werner. And I'm Chris Anderson. And welcome to... Talking Talking Musical Musical History Podcast. Talking Musical History Podcast. Learning history lessons for the musicals we once loved. Talking Musical History Podcast. This is actually one of my uh, most favoritest musicals when I was a wee lad in high school. I was a junior. I uh, played Benny South Street in my school's production of uh, Guys and Dolls. One of uh, definitely uh, uh, my favorite musicals, and obviously much better than 1776 by all the reasons, but whatever. That, that's, that's just one ding, by the way. Like, uh, every time Chris mentions 1776, you should take a shot, seriously. <laughs> and yes, I spoke about myself in the third person. And I'm sure people will be hammered by the end of all this. Yes. Hey, if I say something positive, you don't have to take a shot. I was uh, loving this uh, musical when I was in... 1776? <laughs> Guys and Dolls. That's the name of the musical we are talking about today is Guys and Dolls. <laughs> We're just a bunch of crazy guys and dolls. <laughs> what? <laughs> is that from The Simpsons? That's from The Simpsons. <laughs> I... Uh, was not involved in any production of it myself. However, I remember listening to the 1992 recording and falling in love with all of it. And I remember watching the movie version, which we did watch, and we go into uh, pretty in-depth. And uh, one of my relatives, who was the wife of my cousin who owned a tree farm, she was General Cartwright. She was in her golden year. In a very nice community theater version of that, which was very nice. General Cartwright's a, a real, you know, she's an upstart. And she's like, what? You're, 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 you're winning souls by gambling? Hmm, that's pretty revolutionary. And Sybil uh, <laughs> Haddon was a lovely woman. So we'll, uh, we'll start off with a bit of the history here. Who made this happen? Starting with two short stories in the 1920s and 30s titled... The Idol of Miss Sarah Brown and Blood Pressure by Damon Runyon. Neither Chris or I were able to actually find. Yeah, this material is actually really difficult to get your hands on unless you, like, go out and find a a, a book, which, what the hell's that? (laughs) (laughs) We we like doing the research, but we're not going to buy a book for two two things. Yeah, well, I mean, like, you know, uh, um, like, if you guys want us to read some books, you can uh, donate to the Patreon and we will read all the books and make sure that you guys have a, a much more in-depth experience. Until now, you're going to have to get used to our stunning personality and our ability to search really hardcore on the internet, which is pretty dope. All of his stories were dealing with gangsters, gambling, and the underworld characters of New York. Music and lyrics were written by Frank Loesser. 
with book by Joe Swirling and A. Burroughs that started on Broadway in 1950. Frank Loser was the famous Jewish composer and lyricist for not only Guys and Dolls, but also How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, as well as the winter now in the Mewtwo era problematic song Baby It's Cold Outside. Joe Swirling was a fellow Jewish theater writer, lyricist, and composer. Other than Guys and Dolls, he did not have any real big hits other than the uncredited work in Gone with the Wind and It's a Wonderful Life. Abe Burroughs is so Jewish that he was originally born Abram Solomon Borowitz, but of course had to change his name like my mom's family did because of anti-Semitism. That makes sense. This proud American Jew was a Tony Award-winning humorist, author, and director of radio and stage. He also wrote for Danny Kaye's short-lived 1940s radio comedy show. Character treatment for Guys and Dolls is credited to him with his experience in that era. The character, Big Julie, is supposed to be a safe legal stand-in for Al Capone. I mean, that's, a, that's I mean, you know, that's uh, what we were taught when we were uh, doing the, the musical. The, the film Guys and Dolls, like, con- considering, like, uh, uh, like it, it, it did phenomenal. Much, much better than 1776. Oh, wow. I didn't even have to. <laughs> so that means you don't have to drink, ladies and gentlemen. Sobriety saved. First characters that we meet are drab, boring, dark characters in dark colors. In the rest of the retroistic 19... 19- 50s New York City were carefully crafted by Joe Meisner and Elvin Colt. The play opened with the golden 1950s, and we are ready for a nice choreographed star-studded cast by 1955. Michael Kidd was featured heavily in the opening credits of this movie. Very, very famous choreographer. His name you might recall was spoken by Robin Williams, who is giving a lesson in dance acting to one of his dancers in The Birdcage. Oh, wow. As a way to know how to move Michael mm-hmm. Kidd, Michael yeah, Kidd, yeah, Michael Kidd or Madonna, Madonna. Kidd was another Jewish gem from New York City, like all of the others involved so far. He may have done stuff that you have seen. Like what? Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Ooh. Guys and Dolls, obviously. Little Abner. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea what that is. It was also a movie. And, well, right, that's credited with both. I've never seen it, but I know of its existence. I'll put it that way. Much like I know how Finian's Rainbow, I know that only from me in a musical theater class, which won him a Tony, originally choreography that he also won in Guys and Dolls, Can Can, Destry Rides Again, which I have not heard of, where he also was nominated for Best Direction of a Musical, even though he did not win these. He did choreograph Breakfast at Tiffany's for the stage. Oh, wow. But it never got to production. I mean, it's cool that they tried. The Music Man for the revival in 1980, taking his bow with The Goodbye Girl. Talk a a little bit about uh, uh, Alfred Damon Runyon, what this is all sort of based off of. It's it's really interesting because he like he like wrote all of these different short stories, like you were saying before. Um, And um, he's a newspaper man. It's very influential in like uh, what was going on in American history uh, or like what's going on in America at the time. And, uh, um, you know, he he sort of like uh, uh, 
really prolific in uh, uh, writing in the 1930s, 1940s. He started in like 1911 cartoons. I don't know. It it, it seems like a lot of like uh, uh, Americana is like based around this guy that we uh, had a very difficult time like finding random parts of his work. I mean, like there are not many Americans you can like like say that about were you able to find a picture of him okay. yeah, yeah but i mean like his his cartoon uh, benny south street is a character uh harry the horse uh, um like nathan like these are mm-hmm. these are not native to the movie guys and dolls right. or the musical guys and dolls i i did find like someone had uh his radio show recorded because he had a radio show too i mean mm-hmm. like this guy was like like i'm saying pretty prolific and it's just odd that it's like hidden it is interesting, though, because, like, you know, he's sort of, like, uh, been through the era of Prohibition and, like, you know, his his characters talk about mobsters and whatnot. The full full story of Guys and Dolls, I'm sure you guys all know it. It's it's it's, it's pretty simple, but I, I think it's, like, you know, why why I hate 1776. And, <laughs> and, and why this story makes more sense is, like, you know, like, uh, uh, um, and uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Lindsay Ellis, if you're out there, um, <laughs> that like the, the, the whole thing and like I, I'm, I'm, I'm literally just doing this off my seat of my pants. But the, the, the whole thing is that like um, like you have these like two couples that end up, you know, marrying by the end of the show. And like uh, um, I don't really like the way the movie portrays it personally, because I don't think it characterly makes sense for the whole arc of everything. But like. The idea is that, you know, you have like uh, Nathan Detroit, who's, you know, the local and Benny Southstreet, nicely, nicely, Johnson, um, all of them sort of like existing in the world, trying to get this crap game together. And Nathan for multiple years, what, 13 years or 14? It is. It is 14. It is 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 in the song lyrics. Yeah. 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 (laughs) 14 years has avoided marrying Adelaide. Like Adelaide is like spent time. Uh, like telling her, her her mom through letters that like uh, uh, you know you've you're you're, you're having children yeah because he had a uh, um, he had a son he had um, like because it was uh, uh, um, Nathan Jr. first um, and then like then then they had a little girl right after that the the imaginary girl I just remember there was a lot of kids there were a lot of I think five kids I think five sounds yeah. right yeah well, like one one every two years. You have like a Nathan Nicely Nicely and, and, and Benny South Street, whatever. They're trying to get the tra- crap game, right? Uh, get the crap game going. And, uh, um, you know, the Biltmore Garage wants a grand, but they ain't got a grand on hand, mm-hmm. right? So um, they're trying to figure out, well, how can we get money? It, enter Sky Masterson. Sky Masterson's a holy roller. Like, maybe he's going to give us some money, right? Oh, we just need to come up with some ridiculous thing to bet him. Oh, let's find out how many cheesecakes that uh, Mindy sells. Uh, cheesecakes or uh, uh, strudel? Which one do you think they sell more of? You know, and then uh, Sky Masterson instantly sees through this. Instantly sees through this. And he's like, look, you know, my dad told me once upon a time this was going to happen. Some guy's going to come in and say, hey, this is a sealed deck. I'm going to make the... The, the, this car jump out and spit cider in your ear. If you're still enough to fall for that, <laughs> you deserve the cider in your ear. So, like, you know, watch out for those scams, because, like, you know, if it if, if 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 something is so specific like that, like it's 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 probably going to bite you. You know, just like the the too good to be true. That that doesn't work out, and so he comes up with a counter idea. You're going to uh, uh, Cuba. Maybe you can't 
take a specific girl to Cuba with you. And he's like, ah, I could take any girl to Cuba. All the girls like me. Take that girl, Cider. I got Cider in my hand. <laughs> that is a great, not really Marlon Bando, but I appreciate you. That was, you should have seen his face. It was amazing. <laughs> it really, it was mostly in the face. It was mostly in the face. Like if you, if you've seen the movie, he was, he was dead on. It's not like I've seen the movie Fab Bill times as a kid, you know, or anything like that. This guy's trying to figure out how am I going to, how am I going to get this woman to go to Cuba with me. So he's like basically following around, trying to like figure out some sort of angle. And then like, finally he's like, Oh wait, she's trying to get these people in to do a prayer meeting because she, she, her mission's in trouble. So like, all I have to do is like figure out how to get them to come in to get her to go. So I can, so I can definitely win this thousand dollar bet. And he's like, look, here's my marker. I'm going to get this place filled with sinners. You're going to, you're going to hit your goals. Uh, she decides to go to Havana uh, with Sky Masterson and in the meantime, uh, Nathan Detroit nicely, nicely, and Benny South Street have decided to uh, infiltrate the mission and started to do their gambling there. Big uh, Julie, the guy with the gun, I guess. You know, obviously, Al Capone. This guy, I think, is a lot more brutish. Um, just as smart, but a lot more brutish. <laughs> Not British, but... Oh, oh, I thought you were saying British as well. I was like, I don't remember that part about it. <laughs> okay. Mm, Julie Smash. There's a lot more fighting in the Havana scene than like anywhere else. Yeah. Anywhere else in the entire movie. And there is an actual fight right between you know Sky and Big Julie. They go out to Havana. Sky falls in love with Sarah. He didn't expect to fall in love with Sarah, but he falls in love. And she is drunk, so of course she falls in love with him. If I were a salad, I know I'd be splashing my dressing. I'm sure she, her pants. <laughs> Uh, had her dressing splashed. Uh, innuendo. Innuendo. He uh, uh, still wants to make do on his marker and also like is trying to like separate him from the situation because I think he's like, oh no, I'm so vulnerable because I'm in love now. They have the push me, pull me relationship. Nathan promises Adelaide that they will get married. If you're romantic, like Guys and Dolls is a pretty easy musical to sort of like. Like Adelaide thinks that they're supposed to have a, a, a wedding, like at the same time the crap game's supposed to go on and they're waiting for Sky Masterson to pay off the bet. But it turns out that Sky Masterson took the girl, the, the, the doll to Havana. These two new lovers that like come together. These two old lovers that realize, ah, you know, what are, what are, what are, what are we wasting our time on? One thing I didn't appreciate about the film, like I, I feel like Sky Masterson should have been wearing uh, the, the, the mission uniform. Was he at the end of the stage play? I believe so. Oh, okay. Because like the, the idea is like, well, I mean, she's not, she's not stopping to be a mission doll. Right, right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Like literally they, div di they divided the group the Shakespearean homage to the story because it's very Shakespearean. A lot of in Shakespeare's comedies, they would all end in double marriages. There'd be some communication yeah. breakdown. There's some mis, you know, mishap, you know, identities switched around and, no, you know, and then they end in double marriage. So, yeah. No, and definitely. There's, there's a lot of like farcical uh, elements. I can't get mad at guys and dolls as, as much yeah. as like, as, as simple as it is. Like, I mean, like, 1776 could have been better. If it were not for anti-Semitics, it would have been the winner for the 1950 Pulitzer Prize for drama. Due to Abe being caught up with the House of Un-American Activities Committee, leading to nobody receiving that award that year. 
originally the 1950 premiere at the Richard Rogers Theater, starring Robert Alda as Sky Masterson, Sam Levine as Nathan Detroit, Isabel Bigley as Sarah Brown, and Vivian Blaine as Miss Adelaide as the four main lead roles. Uh, there was a 1992 revival that we both loved to listen to when we grew up that starred Peter Gallagher as Sky, hot off Birdcage with Williams, Nathan Lane as Nathan Detroit, Josie de Guzman as Sarah, and Faith Prince as Miss Adeline. Although Lorna Luft, Judy Garland's daughter, auditioned for the part, but performed the touring company. And this is where I want Chris's live reaction if he doesn't know this already. Before he was a household name with Whiplash, for those that didn't watch Law & Order, J.K. Simmons, no relation to Gene, who was in the original movie, but hailed from our great state of Michigan, played Benny South Street in that performance. Oh, really? That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. In 2009, we saw the stars come out for the Hollywood Bowl performance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, I was talking to you yeah. about that. Right. Of the concert performed with Scott Bakula as Nathan, Brian Stokes Mitchell as Sky, Audrey herself, uh, Ellen Green as Miss Adelaine, and Jessica Beale as Sarah Brown. Really? Huh. All right. I... I didn't. I didn't know she was. She played Sarah Brown. Megan Mullally also graced the stage to perform this as well. <laughs> Stars came in to save the movie. Not bad looking cats. When they made the movie worse, they replaced some people for star power. Yeah. No. There's a. There's a recording of Di- Guys and Dolls with like. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. and um, still with uh, um, Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. Yeah. So it's like like Dean Martin, like like the like the Rat Pack doing Guys and Dolls. Why wasn't it the Rat Pack doing Guys and Dolls? <laughs> that would be really cool. Like they like they could have done all the songs. It would have been it would have been easy. All those were singers. They knew how to and use their voice yeah, and, and dancers. Yes, yeah. they were the whole nine yards. Probably would have been their most popular film. For the movie, in 1955, they replaced some people for star power to move it along, with deleting some songs. Old Blue Eyes, Frank Sinatra, played Nathan Detroit, instead of Jewy old Sam Levine, as the godfather, Brando, took on the role of Sky Masterson. It would have been Gene Kelly, but was not eligible to do because of rights with MGM who ended up distributing the film anyways. Vivian Blaine got to play her original role she created as Miss Adelaide. Gene Simmons, the woman, not the Kiss performer, was replacing Isabel Bigley as Sarah Brown. For Sarah Brown, I heard that, uh, um, what, they were looking at uh, uh, Deborah Kerr and also Grace Kelly. I know that the the uh, uh, studio was really happy about Gene Simmons specifically. Simmons, who uh, played opposite uh, Brando, I mean, she did do an adequate job. Uh, um, she she got she got her song. She was able to sing her song, and it was it was decent. Yeah, her songs actually were not really cut. They really just cut more Adelaide than it. It cost five million, which considering like the star power and the amount of like there was a lot of studio effort put into that film. 
a very in, 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 inappropriate uh, uh, way that it looks uh, when uh, Frank Sinatra is sitting in uh, uh, Mindy's. I don't know. You see what if you see if you can see what I'm talking about. I'm not gonna say what I what I thought it was, but a great movie compared to like uh, um, the other uh, Michael Kidd musicals, the big ones. So like uh, uh, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, like that movie made almost ten million dollars, nine point five million. Um, terrific they saw that movie and they were like money um guys and dolls comes out um spend the same amount of money on that movie just a little bit more and like they're able to like knock it out of the park four times as much they spend in and that's just like the theatrical run that movie like compared to hello dolly uh which i like i like hello dolly but um what they spent 20 million on that movie and it like basically broke even yeah, should have been Dolly Parton. No, no, I, but I, I think that would have been, like, I'm no hate against Babs. I think she's a, an amazing entertainer, and her version of Hello Dolly is terrific. However, mm-hmm. I think that if, if they wanted to, like, make a ridiculous amount of money, Dolly Parton would have probably been the choice. You know, they play the safe bet. 100% play a safe bet. And Dolly Parton, obviously not the safe bet at that time in history. Yeah, I'd have to guess somewhere in, like, the late 60s, early 70s. They probably would have had to slip everyone Hello Dolly's before because execs usually say no at first. And we will do Holly, Hello Dolly at some point in time as well. A movie is like uh, um, where you know you have arrived um, when your book or your play or your musical, whatever, um, either that or it becomes a video game. That, that would be the only other. Yeah. Because like if, if, you're, if you're like, yeah, when your movie becomes a video game, could you imagine if Rocky Horror Picture Show was a video game? That would be amazing. I wonder if Richard O'Brien has ever been approached by someone to do that. It would like it. It, it, I, it, it wouldn't be like it's not a shoot 'em up. It's and that's that's the thing. It's yeah. the, it would be it would be like a puzzle game. It would be somewhere maybe in the connection of Clue. It would be something like who did it or where did you know? Combine the Tim Curry movies and there you get a video game. <laughs> But we, 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 we digress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the guy who plays Harry the Horse does not have Harry the Horse's song role. His character was changed to be Society Charlie after Harry the Horse shows up. At a very early point, we are taught to pay more attention to the gangsters of the 1930s style, but in the 1950s. Um, the, which it, It's interesting because it's like this hybrid of like, feeling like 1950s but like it seems like some of the things that are happening definitely feel more 1930s sinatra when he says nathan guess who's sitting in mindy's right now eating a steak breakfast hitler wrong sky masterson so i thought at first it was 1930s when i heard that line because i thought you know in the 30s hitler was on a blitzkrieg on the roll and ready to take over the world and you know, by the 50s, he was dead. Uh, you know, in the 50s, the guy's sitting home in front of his television set. I think they put that line in because they probably figured at some point that the movie would be shown on television. I, I did hear it when I was listening to the stage production last night. In the titular song, they um, have a sign of uh, what's playing at the Roxy, guy from the Minnesota man who moves all the Biloxi, which is Biloxi, Mississippi which is part of the plot of Neil Simon's Biloxi Blues about Jews facing wartime in 1945. (laughs) There could have been a conspiracy theory that that the writer 
who threw the, the Hitler line in there, maybe there was something about him escaping in, in, you know, like kind of like Elvis is alive even, you know. I think, no, I, I, I think you actually might be onto something around that because I think there were some, I mean, there's always conspiracy theorists uh, um, about like, you know, a lot of other things. And I think there might have been a conspiracy around Hitler not being dead. Much like Howard De Silva, who played Ben Franklin in 1776, Frank Sinatra, who had to defend his freedom of speech and expression in the same way that Howard De Silva did. He was a strong Democratic supporter until 1970 when he started to support his actor friend who entered into politics, Ronald Reagan, but never stopped fighting for racial justice in any way he sought to do so. Marlon Brando, on the other hand, remained politically active on the, I will say, right side of history for his entire life and in the era that Sinatra went politically to the right, Brando, in 1973, used his Oscar award as a platform to speak out against injustice. And some would say the gathering wood for the flame to ignite the hashtag Oscars so white movement when he sent Native American Sachin Littlefeather to decline his award and make a political statement about unfair treatment to their people that unnerved John Wayne backstage. They had to hold him back because he was trying to attack Sachin Littlefeather. I mean, yeah, John Wayne. Uh, For those of you that don't know, now you know. John Wayne, no bueno. Go look him up, please. Uh, not not the stuff that he's good for. Uh, try John Wayne Racist. Song opening the movie, Running Land, Fugue for Tin Horns? Yeah, Fugue for Tin Horns. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, Fugue is, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, like row, row, row your boat. Oh, especially uh, uh, a person pretending to have money. Like, it's, it's not... It's the the song is like what they're interested in. Yeah, at the at the, at the, very, at the very end, but like really, it's it's uh, um, like a uh, um, you know, uh, uh, theme, variation, other variation with with the with the three of them singing about like the the specific horse they're interested in while all following the same sort of. And how was it singing it? How did you feel when you were singing as Benny South Street that song? That was a lot of fun, you know. I'm picking Valentine. The morning works look fine, and besides, the jockey's brother's a friend of mine. Needs race, needs race. It, it was a a, a fun group. Uh, Mike, who who played nicely, nicely Johnson, and uh, Brian, who played uh, Harry the Horse. I, I hope they someday listen to this. I think it's funny. Um, but like, I had a great time singing with you guys. Was, I get I get why people fall in love with musicals. Cause like when I when I auditioned for this, I had no idea. I knew, I knew when I, when I, when I auditioned and got the role for this, I knew about uh, Les Mezorables. I knew about uh, Miss Saigon. I knew about Cats. I mean, like, like if, if, if you, if you, if you lived in the eighties and didn't know Cats, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously like Music Man, cause like that, that musical is on TV all the time. It's actually, I feel like it's on TV more than Guys and Dolls ever was, but I did, I did that. And then I did Dreamgirls the following year. Yeah, guys and dolls like uh, 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 like pretty much solidified my uh, uh, love for musicals. I mean, and get, yeah, uh, music, uh, the sound of music, that always comes on. You know, yeah, yeah people love that one. And uh, uh, Oliver, yeah, yeah, I'll do anything for you, dear. Anything. 
I feel like people like movie musicals more than we let on. Nicely, nicely. Johnson was played by Stubby K, born Bernard Solomon Shalom Coatsin, who we know as children of the 1980s being Marvin Acme in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. (laughs) Or early nerds remember him from an episode of Doctor Who, also in Lil Abner, Cat Baloo, Sweet Charity, as well as other stuff I have never heard of. Nicely is joined by character Benny Southstreet, played by Johnny Silver, who is known for two comedies in the 1960s, Lepke, a biopic gangster film that has been called Tony Curtis's Underrated But Best Performances. After I Was Born, he appeared in two movies that I have actually seen in like, History of the World Part 1 and Spaceballs, both directed by the great Mel Brooks. Also, he was in episodes of H.R. Puffin Stuff. I never... I just like the name. And Seinfeld. What did he do in Seinfeld? That was his last acting gig was the Seinfeld. You know what uh, Marlon Brando's last uh, acting gig was? Transformers, robots in disguise. He did uh, the, the voice of Unicron. Yeah, the cartoon movie. The best Transformers film. I don't care what anyone else says. Screw you, Michael Bay. 1986. As we noted before, that the actor for Harry the Horse was different for the remainder of the film. That actor is Sheldon Leonard. As most have seen in It's a Wonderful Life as Nick the bartender. For fans of the Big Bang Theory, his name was the basis for character names Sheldon Cooper and Leonard Hofstetter. That show is super popular and I I don't watch it. I'm sorry. Uh, Kevin and Chris realized that there is a lot of media content uh, competing for our content. Uh, our, our, our consciousness and we just want to let all of our listening public realize that uh, uh, it's not that we don't like it it's just that there were other things to watch I mean like you know Marlon Brando Frank Sinatra could you imagine if it were the Rat Pack could you imagine if like uh, uh, Benny South Street was uh, 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 Sammy Davis no no Nicely Nicely Johnson was Sammy Davis Jr. And Dean Martin was uh, uh, um, uh, Sky Masterson. Oh, yeah. That would be awesome. That would be really great. Oh, my gosh. And you could still have uh, Jerry Lewis if you wanted to. I don't know. You could still have Jerry Lewis be Benny Southstreet. I don't think that would probably be a good fit at all. I don't think Jerry Lewis could really sing. Oh, no, he can. He's a a pseudo crooner. Benny Southstreet doesn't have to be amazing. I'm going to play some some singing uh, 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 Jerry Lewis right now, I think. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. For somebody, all your dreams. Yeah, he could have pulled it off. He could have pulled it off. I like my concern actually would be that he would try to be too silly, yeah. as Benny South Street. So I was gonna say song comparisons from Fugue the Tin Horns to the Follow the Fold, uptight Bible beating Salvation Army quote unquote, but called something else so they wouldn't get sued. <laughs> There's a lot of that in Guys and Dolls. It, this song is clunky, boring, repeats itself over and over. It gets stuck in your head, even though you want it to be stuck in your head. So you're singing, Through the meadow, 
where the sun shines out of the darkness. <laughs> like, uh, I've watched some productions where people are like, well, you know, the Save a Soul mission, they did broken instruments because they were run down mm-hmm. and they like, you know, they don't know how to play them and right. like all that. And I get that, but you're doing a musical. You know, when people walking up and leaving the theater before you got into like the main, main characters. Gangsters all have these cool names like Benny South Street, Nicely Nicely Johnson, Harry the Hood. And then the mission folk all blend together with one. They're also wearing the same clothes, right? Like the same, same that like uniformity versus diversity. It's very interesting. Yeah, the devil's first string troops, right? Except for lovable old Uncle Arvide Abernathy, played by Regis Toomey, was in a lot of movies from 1929 to 1979, not one I even recognized, except for the name Top Gun, but it was an old western having nothing to do with the Tom Cruise movie. I really like uh, Uncle Arbide's character specifically because uh, um, if any of you watch uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, he, he's Uncle Eroing all over the place, trying to give them wisdom and guidance. The only other one to have been given a name was stern but fair General Matilda Cartwright, played by Catherine Givney in a fair amount to be a working actor of the time that spanned from 1930 to 1969. But much like the career of Regis Toomey, nothing I have even heard of. After the song, when a con artist is selling gold watches for a dollar. Arbide, come on, bud. (laughs) They were never that cheap. Following the very two different songs and groups of characters, we see a barbershop with the introduction of the character that never sang we meet the cold calculating lieutenant brannigan though that would have been interesting to give brannigan a random he never catches anyone how frustrating could that be well and and this is even more frustrating listen to this his career played by robert keith who was again in a lot of old movies i have never heard of spanning from 1924 to 1961 brannigan threatens nathan detroit who had not appeared yet through Nicely in Benny. A few moments after Brannigan exits the shop, Nathan Detroit comes breezing through the door before singing Oldest Establishment with Benny, Nicely, and the Boys. This is where we see the only black man in the entire film all too quick before Sinatra steps in the blo- in to block him. Oh, what, you don't think that was just coincidental that that happened so many times? Future godfather Brando comes into the mission on a bet to take Sarah with him to Havana. They sing about sparks fly in different directions in I'll Know, which is a push-me-pull-me song that would have had a bit of dancing in it if Kelly was Sky. Clear that he is talk singing like Rex Harrison did with My Fair Lady. Talk singing. Rex, I call it Rex Harrison it. <laughs> or, or Rexing it. He Rexed it. The dialogue written between the previous scene with Sky and Nathan uh, propositioning a lady's will in that work with Pickering wagering Higgins reminds me of that flow. Here is where you will also notice a change in lyrics and cut songs with some added. Like, the next sexist piece of crap, Pet Me Papa. <laughs> what, you didn't like that song? Instead yeah. of what was originally, there was... A bushel and a peck about her devotion to Nathan instead of a creepy old guy song followed by Adelaide's lament as her power solo 
on the stage. A bushel in a peck, you're right, is about how much she loves Nathan. And then right after that, she's like, why aren't you marrying me? Oh, man, you're giving me a freaking cold. They even undercut that with, in the movie, Frank Sinatra is talking on the phone in the middle of the performance to show how not important that song is. No changes were made with the titular song with Nicely and Benny, except for adding Nathan Detroit. Yeah, Nathan was not supposed to be in that piece. It's just them talking mm-hmm. about the relationships of Sky and Nathan. Mirrored, it's, 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 it's well put together, but... Um, yeah, uh, uh, I know, it's, I get it. Frank Sinatra. In Havana, there is a very memorable movie moment for me, and a nice plug for Bacardi, but problematic, I can see, by today's standards, when Sky gets Sarah drunk on, quote-unquote, sweet milk, dulce de leche. What's in dulce de leche? It has a kind of natural uh, flavoring. Oh, what's the name of this flavoring? Bacardi. <laughs> <laughs> with with her saying, this would be a wonderful way to get children to drink milk. Yeah, yeah. Drunk kids, though. I mean, drunk kids are always fun. Honestly, <laughs> check the internet. No, I'm kidding. Uh, don't 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 give your kids alcohol. That's against the law. Playing on her innocence, this starts her unbuttoning up with her self actualization and her actual buttons on her coat. It's a weird nervous action. What I always saw it as was, especially when she belts out, if I were a bell, she's realizing who she is. She's coming into her own. She's able to see. Yeah, she wants to get rung. I'm talking about a wedding ring. Uh, Go into the chapel. And like, it's all about church bells. Like church bells are sort of a big thing in like the 50s and uh, 60s, definitely. One of the songs that was cut my time of day brilliantly sung by peter gallagher sung beautifully by sky and sarah after they end their trip to havana ah gosh how do you cut that song i'm sorry because it leads into i'll never been in love before oh it's like the best song it's this moment where sky is like ah god damn it i'm in love with this girl well and also if you listen to that song and you listen to the lyrics in memory there's some reminiscence of that song in memory with the imagery of the stonewashed pavement. Uh, having four like runs on Broadway, they have eight Tonys and a yeah. Golden Globe. I mean, the, the, it's, it's, it's a pretty simple musical that seems to touch a lot of people. You know, you made it when you're on The Simpsons, and Simpsons parodied this in a very, very great way that made up a whole other song that's never in the musical. Um, <laughs> Was, was a combination of Star Wars and Guys and Dolls that I thought was brilliant. Hollywood keeps in Take Back Your Mink. Take Back Your Mink is the classic song about how to break up with your sugar daddy. And there are tons of women nowadays that need that assistance. But then they cut out another two songs. Adelaide gets her second lament cut. In a, in a sewer? He's in a sewer? What? And then what makes us musical theater people more upset is then they cut another song that is touching that Arvide sings to Sarah, More I Cannot Wish You, where he sends his positive energy her way to find love. He's not just the sweet little lovable man. He, he makes he stuff knows. happen. Yeah, yeah, he knows. 
But yeah, and and that's sort of like why that song is so powerful because he's basically like, you know, um, I I think you're you, you have my blessing. You've made the right decision. This dude actually cares for you. Crap Shooter's ballet happened, but then a big letdown of the stage show-stopping number following with "Luck be a lady tonight." But remember. Brando versus Gallagher or Kelly, certain characters look directly in the camera to help break the fourth wall like you do on stage, but the stage version is much better sung in regards to Sky Masterson, and some songs should not have been cut for extended dance sequences that featured Michael Kidd's, albeit brilliant, but too long choreography. And then Sue Me followed Luck Be Lady Night with both the stage and the screen versions, with Sinatra and Lane as Nathan Detroit pouring their heart out as the as a guy in their performances to the reluctant 14-year-old engaged doll Adelaide. Yeah, um, uh, specifically on Frank, Frank Sinatra's uh, um, sort of performance, there's a, a point where they're like, it, like, I think Adelaide's on his lap, and then she's like, finds out, oh... This, this thing isn't happening and she stands up and he like he moves with her and instantly goes to his knees and I'm like man that that is a dude that understands how like physical movement works and that's where Sinatra and Nathan Lane both I think hit it out of the park I mean they really do this character justice when you know you know sue me sue me shoot bullets through me I love you like it's just, it's got that passion. Following that, you have another actual showstopper in both mediums. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, you're rocking the boat. Sung by Nicely Nicely Johnson. They did cut out the comparing of situations for the women in lead roles with Marry the Man Today. Yeah, I don't know why they cut that song. Because like, like, because it's like... Do they even know each other? Yeah, because, you know, you're right. They have had no interaction with each other. Adelaide and, that's a good point to bring up, Adelaide and um, Sarah Brown had had no interaction with each other other than through Nathan and Sky. Yeah, they didn't do a good job keeping that musical. Oh, yeah. Marry the man today, trouble though he may be. Some people might think the song is problematic, and I, and I get that. Some girls are crazy to get married some dudes are crazy to get married right (laughs) so like let them have their fucking song in some ways again uh, i could be very wrong in my analysis of this but it's a predecessor to company it's a musical about marriage in a way that isn't in your face necessarily of you have a guy who wants a doll but he has to work for that doll and he has to prove to that doll that that doll is self-sufficient as well and she has a mind of her own and and it's clear made um adelaide is self-sufficient and and she supports nathan yeah adelaide and sarah both have a mind of their own they all have they they have their own motivations and yes yes it's it's solely around men but they do have their other interests too sarah's uh, um, religious interests definitely outweigh her interest to have a man and like you know grand finale with the reprise of the titular song and the Shakespearean double wedding ending. There's a lot of like simplified emotions, like religious versus state versus person 
because like that's sort of like what's happening for for a fluff musical it just happens to talk about a lot of random things luck being a lady as uh the number 40 like reached up to number 42 once upon a time on the 100 greatest film songs list uh you you can't hate against it i mean the, the afi even recognizes it as like an, an awesome musical <laughs> it's it's lived on for this long and it's had so many productions done and i think it's probably one of the most done if not maybe sometimes overdone productions it's apolitical because i think it's also been probably translated into how many different languages and produced in different countries Guys and Dolls, great musical. If you don't know, if you don't like, go watch the movie. Yeah, it's worth it's worth a watch. It's definitely yeah. worth a watch, especially if you're a Marlon Brando fan or a Frank Sinatra fan. Come on, yeah, it's on Amazon right now. You definitely should watch it. So what what are we what are we doing? What's a what's the musical coming up next? next well, the next one we're gonna talk about is Hans Christian Andersen, and the reason is because there have been some Disney. Yeah, no, I mean like like what Little Mermaid. There's a lot of uh, random his stories that are just like a part of what Disney does. Um, and now we're going to watch a musical about his life. Thank you for listening. I am Kevin Werner, and I'm Chris Anderson, and, and you've been, been listening, listening to. to- Talking Musical History Podcast. Talking Musical History Podcast. Learning History Lessons for the Musicals We Once Loved. Talking Musical History Podcast. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.